0: Davis Financial Advisors is a branch office of and securities offered through Independent Financial Group, member FINRA and SIPC. Sean Davis is a registered representative of Independent Financial Group. The interpretation and organization of these ideas are the confidential thoughts of Sean Davis and do not necessarily represent the opinions of IFG Incorporated. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, including market fluctuation, possible loss of principal value or liquidity, And there can be no assurance that any specific investment strategy will be profitable. And now, Uncommon Investments and Resources presented by Davis Financial Advisors, independent investment services for pursuing your investment
1: goals. Here's your host, Sean Davis. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Uncommon Investments and Resources presented by Davis Financial Advisors. And I happen to be your humble host. My name is Sean Davis. I'm going to be your guide for the next episode hour as we discuss the top 10 retirement planning questions that I receive in my office from investors. At Davis Financial Advisors, we work with a lot of retirees. This has uh, given us a consistent perspective into the concerns of retirees and pre-retirees, both. There are quite a few questions that we find ourselves answering consistently as investors plan for retirement. There are also quite a few questions that arise during retirement as investors navigate the ever-changing retirement waters. I've narrowed these questions down to the top 10 that we get most often, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on each during today's discussion. Hopefully my answers will help you come to some answers and conclusions on your own regarding your own personal situation. So I had a guy by the name of Jim come into my office last week and uh Jim had an idea, an official number in his head that he thought it was going to take to retire, you know, an amount. Uh, he'd accumulated a certain nest egg. And a lot of people have this question, and a lot of people think it's a reasonable amount of money. But the question Jim had was, is $1 million in IRAs, retirement accounts, is that enough to retire? And that was one of his first questions of me. And I think that's a fairly common question, given it's a nice round number. It's a seven-figure number. I mean, a lot of people, when they, you know, depending on when they grew up and when they started thinking about working and what generation they were in, um, it's not uncommon to hear that be the most kind of preferred um, number that people have. They, they just automatically think a million should be enough. Is that enough to retire? And I think as uh, time goes on, uh, people start to question that more and more because the dollar doesn't quite go as far as it used to. This is a difficult question. A specific amount is a difficult question to answer because there's a lot of variables that affect that answer. For example, um, your current pre-retirement income has a huge effect on whether one million is enough. If it takes you a hundred thousand a year in income to live the lifestyle that you want to live in retirement, I'm here to tell you right now, a million is probably not going to be enough to last you twenty five to thirty years in retirement. On the other hand, if you need to take twenty thousand a year in supplemental income withdrawals, You know, to live the lifestyle that you want. A million is probably more than enough to last throughout your whole retirement years. In my opinion, the simplest and best answer to the how much is enough question, which is common, is to back into the answer by doing some simple math. What is your current household income? How much of that income do you expect to need in retirement? Is the answer 50% of that? 75%? 100%? Most retirement planning books websites, and magazines would suggest that you plan on at least 75% of pre-retirement income post-retirement um, in terms to meet your, your lifestyle needs. The assumption is that 75% of your current gross income is probably what you net for lifestyle needs while working when you factor in the expenses of saving for retirement, you know your 401k contributions, 403b contributions, et cetera, that takes a piece out of your net income. Uh, Raising kids and paying off your house. If you don't have those same expenses in retirement, technically then you can live on less than your gross income before you retire. Hence the 75% kind of projection. The The second variable to estimate would be a reasonable income percentage to assume on your retirement investments. What rate of return do you plan to receive on your investments after you retire? Remember, building wealth and investing for growth is completely different than investing for income. Post-retirement, you cannot take the same risk as you do with your investments prior to retirement. You don't have the time to make it back up again if you suffer a huge loss. For income, some people in my industry would say that you should plan on a more conservative number than you might expect to receive. In other words, err in your favor. You don't want to make any reaching assumptions that paint a much better retirement picture than is realistic you want to do the opposite. If you can still retire under the most pessimistic of situations, then you probably have a good retirement income plan. My industry might suggest that you use a 4% withdrawal number for retirement income off of a 60-40 stock and bond allocation. In other words, don't draw off more than $40,000 a year from a $1 million portfolio. I've seen new research that suggests that number is high in this current low interest rate environment. The new guidelines are about 2.8%, or roughly 28,000 a year from a $1 million portfolio. I'll discuss this in more detail a little later. However, if you don't own stocks and bonds and instead you own a portfolio of five rental properties in Sacramento worth a total of a million, you could probably assume a 6 or 7% income draw because that is about the average cash-on-cash return from rents for investment real estate in Sacramento. Retirement is facilitated With replacing you going to work to make money by your money making money for you. In other words, retirement is about income more than it's about net worth. And there are many investments that don't, or excuse me, that have value but don't do anything to provide you with retirement income Uh, land, gold, silver, jewelry, collectibles. Once you have your desired income projection and a reasonable income return to expect in retirement, you can now do the math to figure out if you have enough money to retire. For example, if you need $75,000 in retirement income and you expect a 5% income return, then you should divide 75000 by 5%. The answer is $1.5 in retirement investments generating a 5% income yield should provide you with $75,000 a year in income forever. Uh, well, assuming you don't touch principal. I'm also assuming that you don't have any other sources of income that contribute to the gross of 75, such as pensions or Social Security. As you can probably imagine, uh, this is more complex than a simple one-size-fits-all answer. We highly recommend sitting down with a professional to make sure that you're considering all the important variables and not making erroneous assumptions. At Davis Financial Advisors, we typically walk our pre-retirement clients through this calculation yearly as they approach a 10-year retirement pre-retirement window. So it's important to understand that, you know, answering the question is a million enough is difficult, not knowing what your current income is. Um, and obviously, the higher the income, the bigger the number in retirement that you want to amass. And so it is an individual calculation. But I would argue. The days in which a million dollars to retire is enough um, are numbered. At some point, um, you know, I I just don't think a lot of people are going to see that as meeting their needs. But we'll see. Could have decades before that occurs. But if you're asking these questions of yourself, if you'd like to have some uh, help in navigating this, I've got a special report I'm going to give you if you call us at 800-682-2806. It's called Retirement Roundtable, Strategic Answers to the Top Ten Questions Regarding Retirement Planning. And I'll give it to you if you phone us. All you got to do is phone us at this toll-free number, 800-682-2806. Toll-free, 800-682-2806. We'll send it out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. Now, coming up next, i got a couple questions I'm going to answer for you. Jane had a question. Her question was, should she plan on less income retirement? And then Frank, Frank had a question. Should he pay off his house by the time he retires? The answers may not be what you think. I'm going to talk about that coming up next. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments. Retirement is tough.
2: A successful retirement is a moving target. So many variables affect the outcome. How much do you pull from your investments? What happens to your chances of staying retired if the stock market falls again? Bonds may be risky now. How do you produce income for retirement outside of bonds? What happens if you need more income later? It can feel overwhelming. You don't have to try and answer all of these questions on your own. If you're concerned about how to stage into retirement, or if you are concerned about how to make sure you have the best chances of staying retired, then please call right now. Get the latest white paper The Three Critical Stages of Retirement Stage 1 Thoughts, Ideas, and Mistakes Made Between the Ages of 59 and a Half and 70 and a Half. It is critically important that you get this right. Call now, 1-800-682-2806. Again, 1-800-682-2806.
0: And now, here's your host, Sean Davis, talking about all things financial, of course. All things uncommon, as always. Give Sean a call. Check out the website, davisfinancialadvisors.com.
1: Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio, talking about your money, talking about investments, retirement accounts, and the the top 10 retirement questions we get about planning, you know? If you're trying to make your way, if you just retired recently, or if you're in retirement, or if you're trying to get there, then we've narrowed. I've gotten hundreds of questions about retirement over the years, and um, we found pretty consistently that there's a kind of a top 10 list that people have, and um, I've got my strategic answers. I've got the answers that I would give to these questions in a special report. It's called Retirement Roundtable, Strategic Answers to the Top 10 Questions Regarding Retirement Planning. And I'll send this to you if you phone us at 800 682 2806. Toll free, 800 682 2806. We find it to be informative and strategic in terms of some of the most common questions we get. And before the break, I was talking about Jane. Jane came into my office last week and had some questions about retirement. And, um, you know, she was concerned. She made a decent amount of money in retirement and she wasn't quite sure whether or not. Or excuse me, she made a decent amount of money while working, and in retirement, she wasn't sure if she should plan on that same amount or less or whatever. So she said, should I plan on less income in retirement? And I think that this is a fair assumption for most people. I think it's rare for retirees to need exactly the same amount of income or more after they retire. Other than health care costs, most people do not experience an increase in retirement income as compared to their gross income before retiring. You know, how many people made 50 grand a year when they were working and then retire and make 75000 you know? However, it is very common for people to underestimate their income needs in retirement. I have witnessed many pre-retirees assuming less of an income need than I think is reasonable. Think of it this way. Once you retire, almost everything that you do costs money. When you're working five days a week, every time you leave the house, you're going somewhere to earn money. In retirement, every time you leave the house, it's costing you money. Most people spend more money during the weekends than they do during the work week because of their time discretion. In retirement, don't you really have seven Saturdays or Sundays a week? You have a lot more free time, and that free time is expensive unless you're sipping lemonade on the back porch, swinging in a hammock, watching the garden grow. Maybe that's your definition of retirement, but it's not for a lot of people. Lastly, most people have uh, a big project or travel plans once they retire. Think about how many people plan to take trips once they retire, or remodel the house. Maybe it's just plans to visit family or the kids, but it all costs money and time. And you'll have the time, but you may not always have the money. So here's my main point. You may not need to replicate your gross pre-retirement income once you retire, but I'll bet, I will bet, you will need more than you might be expecting. Plan for surprises and unexpected expenses. I wouldn't be surprised if you spent more money in the first two years of retirement than you do in the following five years. Why? I've seen it happen many times before, and people are surprised when it does happen. So, you know, just be willing to understand that your income needs may be greater than what you anticipated. Um, Here's a biggie. This is a question that I got from um, a guy by the name of Frank who came into my office um, about three weeks ago, and he'd built his own retirement plan, and he'd, he'd done a good job, actually. He'd thought through a lot of variables. He'd looked at his income analysis and his budget, and you know, he had a decent nest egg that he had saved. But one of his nagging questions, one of his persistent questions, and I bet a lot of you listening have thought about this. The question was, should I plan to pay off my house by the time I retire? A lot of people have this question, and I think a lot of people plan to have the house paid off by the time they do retire. But I personally think the value of having a house paid for in retirement is directly proportional to your income in retirement. The less income you have in retirement, the more valuable having a house that is paid for becomes to your overall financial security. If retirement for you is mostly going to be Social Security income, then I think you should have a house that's paid for by the time you retire. However, the higher your income in retirement, the less, I believe, having a house paid off makes sense. Your primary residence mortgage is one of the more valuable tax-advantaged investments you have in retirement. If you have income of more than 100000 a year in retirement, it is my opinion that a mortgage might still make some sense. Here's why. What other income tax deductions do you have in retirement? The kids are most likely gone and not helping you with any dependent tax credit or advantage. You also don't have a 401k or a 403b that you're contributing to once you retire. I've seen people retire, make less income, but pay more tax than they ever expected because they didn't have any tax deductions in retirement. If you expect to have 100000 or more in retirement income, I also believe that you are at risk for future tax increases that may occur. You certainly don't represent the voting majority of America if you have 100000 or more in retirement income, and I believe that it is likely that tax rates will increase for you. That would make the mortgage interest deduction more valuable to you. In fact, the higher your income, the more advantageous it becomes. Why do I believe that taxes could go up for you? Oh, well, we've had much higher tax rates in our history. America has rampant class envy, and the more income you have, the less you represent the voting populace. This is why we have had income tax rates as high as 90% in our country's history. I could be wrong, but I would think it's prudent to assume I could be right. Now, I mentioned before that uh, at my firm, Davis Financial Advisors, we work with a lot of retirees. And um, retirees aren't the only people that we work with, though. We uh, work with people that are younger as well. And I had um, Justin ask me a question. He came in, and Justin's in his mid-40s, similarly aged to me, I'm 45, um, and he asked the question, and I think it's common for younger folks to to ask this question uh, since they're not yet there yet. And they said, "Will Social Security be there for me?" He, Justin, was concerned. He was like, "Listen, I, I mean, I'm paying into this thing. I'm paying for Social Security, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be there for me. I don't know." And uh, I think everyone worries about that because we've all heard the problems that exist: the underfunding, um, increasing benefits, more payouts, and everyone has. Um, probably heard at some point that Social Security is in in jeopardy. And I get this question a lot from investors that have more than 10 years from now to retirement. And there's no question that Social Security is in trouble and that there are numerous reasons to be concerned about the value and the amount that Social Security might provide you in the future. Um, I find it ironic that the word security is in the name when most people I talk to are very insecure about their future benefits. So I'm 45 years old, as I said, and um, I believe that some form of Social Security will be there for me and my wife, Jen. However, I do believe that Social Security is trending more and more toward a welfare or means-tested model. If you've been successful and have good income in retirement, then you'll receive less net Social Security income because the IRS starts to include it as taxable income. The less income you have in retirement, the more you get to keep of your Social Security payments without taxation. No one pays federal income tax on more than 85% of his or her Social Security benefit based on the Internal Revenue Service rules. So if you file a tax return as an individual and your combined income is between 25000 and 34000 you may have to pay income tax on up to 50% of your Social Security benefit. If you have more than 34,000 in annual income, up to 85% of your benefits may be taxable. If you file a joint return and you and your spouse have a combined income that is between 32,000 and 44,000 a year, you may have to pay income tax on up to 50% of your benefits. If you have more than 44,000 in annual income, up to 85% of your benefits may be taxable. So, it's my opinion that we will continue to see let's call it creative benefit reductions like the one I just discussed. In essence, what they're doing is reducing and or taxing the benefit that people receive on Social Security. The higher the income, the more tax, the less income, the less tax. I mean, that's equivalent to kind of a welfare benefit. If you don't have any money, we're going to help you. We're going to give you money. If you don't have any retirement income, you get to keep all of your Social Security benefit. But the more retirement income you have, we're going to start to take some of that back through taxes And I think we will continue to see some sort of schedule like that. I think that um, as our beloved legislators begin and continue to wrestle with this ever-present problem of how do we continue to provide benefits through Social Security, I think that uh, we'll see more answers like this. Uh, Some sort of means testing, reduction in benefit, tax Uh, whatever they call it. But uh, I think it'll be there. I think Social Security is going to be there for a long time to come. I just think um, you're going to get less of it the more successful you've been. All right. So if this is making sense to you, any sense at all, then I would encourage you to uh, get our special report. It's called Retirement Roundtable, Strategic Answers to the Top 10 Questions Regarding Retirement Planning That We See in Our Offices at Davis Financial Advisors. And I will send you a copy of this, Uh, roughly 30 pages of information. Uh, We think it's good, strategic answers to some very common questions. And all you got to do to get it is call call us at 800-682-2806. It's toll-free, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. uh, They're going to answer the phone and ask you a few brief, simple, short questions helps us to get a snapshot of what you're doing right now, then we are going to send this information out to you via email if you give us an email address. Um, Or if you don't want to give us an email address, if you have a regular physical address, we'll send it out to you um, that way as well. Uh, But we'll get it out to you this coming week, especially if you're trying to make some decisions on uh, retirement and have questions, some common questions. So once again, phone us, 800-682-2806. Now, I had another gentleman in my office a few weeks ago um, that asked me one of the most common questions that I get. When should I start taking Social Security? You know, this is a biggie. This is a very, very common question that we get. Everybody, as they approach retirement, wants to know when they should start taking Social Security. And... uh I don't blame you, you know, as we talked about before with it in jeopardy. When should I take it? Do I take it now? Do I take it later? Well, I'm going to answer that question for you. Coming up next, Sean Davis, Uncommon Investment. There are
2: three schools of knowledge that you should be aware of, particularly when it comes to facilitating retirement. There is the stuff that you know you know. There's the stuff that you know that you don't know. Then there is this often much larger, more ominous school of knowledge that is, I didn't know. I didn't know that. There's a statistic that only 3% of retirees are truly successful in retirement. 3%. What might you not know that could derail your chances of a successful retirement? Successful people understand the wisdom of surrounding themselves with advisors that have different viewpoints. The reason? They don't want to be ignorant or naive to blind spots in their planning. It is critically important that you get retirement right. Let Davis Financial Advisors give you a second opinion. Call now, 1-800-682-2806, 1-800-682-2806. And if you don't have time to stop by to see Sean and his team, log on to davisfinancialadvisors.com.
0: That's davisfinancialadvisors.com.
1: Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio, talking about your money, talking about your investments, talking about all things financial, of course, all things uncommon, as always. And um, you've caught me smack dab in the middle of a special report, Retirement Roundtable, strategic answers to the top 10 questions regarding retirement planning. These are answers to questions I get every single week, every single month, every year. And kind of compiled a list, and um, the answers may be different than what you thought, but the questions are common, and we've discussed uh, four of them thus far. And uh, if you'd like to get our special report, Retirement Roundtable, strategic answers to the top 10 questions regarding retirement planning, then call us, 800-682-2806. It's toll-free. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple, short questions. Helps us to get a snapshot of what you're doing right now. And then we'll send this out to you today via regular mail or email, whichever you prefer. All right. So one of the more common questions that we get um, is, when should I start to take Social Security? I have mixed feelings on the timing of taking Social Security. Uh, See, the less dependent you are on Social Security, the sooner you can and maybe should consider taking it. Stated differently the more dependent you are on Social Security facilitating a large portion of your retirement income, then you should wait to receive the maximum benefit possible. Here's an ex- extreme example to illustrate my point. I just read, get this, I just read that Mariah Carey and her new billionaire fiance just rented a home in Calabasas for $250,000 a month. 250 grand a month. <laughs> That's 3 million a year. Uh, my wife almost choked on her yogurt when she read that on Yahoo. Um, I agreed with her that it seemed excessive, to say the least. However, upon further analysis and a little math, you know, I'm a financial advisor. I can't help but uh, break out the math every once in a while. I calculated that the 3 million a year in rent was approximately 0.00075% of their combined $4 billion net worth. Now, by the way, I think he's worth like 3.7, and she's worth the other 300. So uh, he's an Australian billionaire. Uh, but here's my point. If you had a net worth right now of a million bucks— it's like the equivalent of you renting a house in Calabasas for seven hundred and fifty bucks a year. <laughs> it's minuscule compared to their net worth. I mean, it seems like a ton of money, two hundred fifty grand a month, but that's like for a millionaire, it's like seven hundred fifty bucks a, a year in total. What does this have to do with Social Security timing? It's simple. Um, I don't think that Mariah Carey or her new beau are going to be concerned about when they take Social Security because of how little it represents of their income or net worth. So maybe the whole phrase, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, would be applicable. Maybe they just want to take it because better to take it now and have something than to risk not having something later. Now, the opposite side, you might find my mom. Social Security is going to be a big chunk of her retirement income, and the only way she's going to see that income increase is to wait for her She may not have the luxury of taking it early because she's too dependent on maximizing her retirement income because it represents a lot, let's call it a majority of what she's going to get in retirement. The longer she waits, the better her permanent retirement income is going to be. For her, the increases for each year she waits might be the difference between just getting by and having a bit of a surplus. So, you know, when you take Social Security isn't – you know, a carte blanche answer. It's, I can't uh, broadly brush everybody and say, this is this is my theory or my plan. I think the less it represents of the total income you're going to have in retirement, the more discretion you have to potentially take it e- easy. easy, Take it easy. Yeah. In retirement, take it easy. Take it early. And, um, you know, because you might fear that the benefits are going to change at some point or or some people think it's going to go away. As I said before, I don't think it is. But Now, the reality of it is, is that everything changes. So, um, and the less income you have, the more Social Security represents. I think the the bias should be maybe towards waiting to maximize that. So, here's a question I get. How do I prioritize my competing goals of retirement and leaving something behind for my children or my heirs? Um, This is a pretty common concern for a lot of folks. Primarily, most of the clients and prospective clients that I visit with, want to make sure that they are not a burden on their children financially. As a secondary goal, they want to leave something behind if possible. Now, having said that, I deal with humans and their money. So as you can imagine, there's a big difference amongst many people as to how to handle their wealth once they're gone. Some people do not want to plan on any inheritance to their kids. Uh, I think that we've all seen the bumper sticker on the big motorhome that reads, spending my kid's inheritance. However, I also meet with a lot of people that recognize it will likely not be as easy for their kids or grandkids to get ahead as it was for them and their generation. I think a lot of people believe that their children are inheriting a less vibrant and financially strong America. So what do you do if it's important to you to retire and leave a legacy? I really suggest you prioritize your own retirement above leaving a legacy or helping grandchildren with college education funding. It's really cute when your kids or grandkids come to you and ask for money, for something special. Not so cute when you're going to your kids or grandkids to ask them for money to make ends meet. Your first priority obviously should be making sure that you don't drain them later in life because you didn't properly plan. From a planning perspective, if you wait until you're in your mid-70s before you start dipping into the principle of your investments, I think you stand a good chance of leaving something behind for the next generation. Most what we call spend-down scenarios I've seen allow for the gradual spending of principal in retirement to offset healthcare costs or inflation for at least twenty years. When you start to tap into principal, it'll be critical in the probability of being able to leave a legacy. The longer you wait, the better. The more, more on this a little later. But you know, the whole point of it is, is that. College education funding for the grandkids is awesome. I think you should do that if you can, but don't do it at the jeopardy of your own situation. Um, obviously, you want to make sure that you can take care of yourself before you worry about taking care of the future generations. If that makes sense to you, if you have other questions regarding retirement, um, I've got a special report. Retirement roundtable, strategic answers to the top 10 questions regarding retirement planning. Um, and you can get a copy of this by phoning us, simply calling this number, 800-682-2806. It's toll-free, uh, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few questions, get some uh, short, brief answers to these questions, and then email this to you or send it out via regular mail, whichever you prefer, 800-682-2806. Now, I'm going to answer a question in a few minutes, a little over four and a half minutes when I return, but this question is is a real common question in the last few weeks. In fact, Sally came into my office last week and she asked me, should I get out of the market? I mean, the markets have been volatile and I want to retire this year. Should I get out? Sean, what do I do? I'll answer that question coming up next. Sean Davis, Uncommon Investments.
2: At Davis Financial Advisors, there's a chair that you should see. It's a chair with 15 legs. It was made as a visual example of what true investment income diversification might look like. Sean just discussed the limitations of a 4% withdrawal rate from your stock and bond portfolio. But imagine if stocks and bonds weren't the only choices available. Imagine if you had income and distributions from 15 completely different investment sources that were not dependent on the stock market. No one source would be worth more than about 6.5% of the portfolio. Imagine if those sources of income could give you the chance to produce more than a 4% withdrawal rate from your retirement assets. If you don't have any idea how to do that yourself, all the more reason to give Davis Financial Advisors a call right now and sit down with them one-on-one. Get a second opinion. Call now, 1-800-682-2806. Again, that is 1-800-682-2806. And if you don't have time to stop by to see Sean and his team, log on to davisfinancialadvisors.com.
0: That's davisfinancialadvisors.com.
1: Welcome back to the show. Sean Davis on your radio, talking about your money, talking about retirement, talking about the top 10 retirement questions we get in my office every week, every month, every year. Um, A lot of people that are preparing for retirement have some very specific questions, common questions, and uh, we've narrowed it down to the top 10, and I'm trying to answer them for you, giving you my take on how I would normally answer these questions and some special considerations in answering those questions. And if you'd like to get our latest Davis Financial Advisor special report, it's called Retirement Roundtable, Strategic Answers to the Top 10 Questions Regarding Retirement Planning, I'll send it to you. All you can do is phone us, 800-682-2806. It's toll-free, 800-682-2806. My team's standing by. They're going to ask you a few brief, simple questions. And then uh, once we get the answer to these questions, we'll send this information out to you today. So uh, before the break, I was talking about Sally. Sally had come into my office, and um, Sally had done great at saving for retirement. She'd built a decent nest egg. Her plan um, currently is to retire later this year. Um, she's hoping to be- retire by the end of the year. And uh, her question, a common one as of late, should I get out of the stock market and go into safe investments to reduce my risk given I want to retire soon? This has been an ongoing discussion um, with a lot of current clients as well as prospective clients. A lot of people are very concerned with the risk of a market crash substantially reducing the size of their portfolio exactly when they need to depend on it most. However, you also have income to consider, and safe investments uh, are not paying very much interest. In fact, I like to say they're paying exactly 0.0 nothing. So it's obvious and hard to find yield. But there is no such thing as riskless investing either. It's an impossible riddle to say so- to someone like me that you want income investments, but you don't want to risk your principal. In this artificially low interest rate environment, you have to take risks to consistently get anything above 2 to 3% annualized income. So what do you do? Uh, there are many ways to reduce risk and still invest for income. You can consider setting stop losses on your equities to help you stay in the market without having to lose 30 40 50% if the market corrects. You could consider adding non-correlated investments outside the stock market to your stock market portfolio. Correlation, or what we call co-movement, is a diversification killer. The more your investments move together, the less diversified you are, and that means increased risk. So being truly diversified is often a risk reduction strategy. For example, you might consider using some of your stock market equities to help you purchase a rental property. A rental property would fit the income need without being in the market, thus not exposed to the market's volatility. However, once again, this does not mean that there isn't risk to owning investment real estate. Real estate has investment risk, including loss of principal, and there's no guarantee of rental income. This is one of the reasons why at Davis Financial Advisors we advocate adding non-correlated alternative investments to a traditional stock market portfolio, especially if the retiree or investor is in need of income or distributions from their retirement nest egg. Alternative investments are generally outside the stock market. That is what the alternative is referencing, something different than the market. As such, they do not generally move with the stock market on a day-to-day basis. This would be important if an investor, or you, were concerned about reducing stock market volatility. Additionally, many alternative investments produce dividends or income. Now, to be clear, dividends are not guaranteed, and you can lose money investing in alternative investments. They are an investment, like any other investment, and investments have risk. However, as I stated earlier, there is no such thing as a riskless 5% to 7% income-producing investment right now. In this environment, you have to take risk to generate income. So we use alternative investments to generate income that is not correlated with the stock and bond markets directly. Our goal for most investors is to complement a stock market investment allocation with an investment allocation that has nothing to do with the stock market. Imagine 8, 10, or 12 investments coordinated together to generate distributions, dividends, or interest. Having income from 8, 10, 12, or even 15 sources of income would be less risky than generating income from one source. Now, some investors think that they could do this with bonds, but it's not the same. All bonds are sensitive to interest rates increasing or decreasing, and not all alternative investments are sensitive to the same. So it is possible to reduce stock market risk and still invest for income. Yes, it is. It is possible. This is a complicated and dynamic scenario. That is best discussed with a properly licensed and experienced financial advisor. If you'd like to learn more, then call us to schedule a no obligation personal financial consultation. It's also important to remember that when you experience a negative return, it's more difficult to recover the losses than you think. For example, if you have $100,000 and it goes up 50% and then down 50% the next year, you actually end up losing 25% of your principal. It works in the opposite, too. If you have $100,000 and you lose 50%, so now you're down at $50,000. And then it goes up 50%, you still only have 75000 So the losses are always more catastrophic than the gains. If you lose 50% on an investment, you need to make 72% back to get back to square. So it's obvious and rare that the market would bounce back up that much in just one year. So the less time you have, the less ability you have to take on volatility or principal risk. Time is key. You would have to wait longer well, that's the problem. As you near retirement, you don't have the discretion. You don't have the time to wait as long for recovery of losses. So, yes, it is important to pare down your risk the, the closer you are to retirement because you don't want to be caught in a situation where the market plummets and you were supposed to retire in three months and now you can't. How horrible would that be? Another question I get uh, pretty frequently is, um, and I got this from um, – a gentleman by the name of Mitch, and this was probably three days ago. He said, what is a safe amount to draw from my investment portfolio in retirement? How much money could I plan on drawing when I retire? And um, a lot of people have heard of the 4% withdrawal rule. Many advisors in my industry suggest that a safe conservative number to withdraw is 4%. I used it in a prior example. Um, seen a lot of research that's suggesting that's way too high today. Um, maybe 2.8%. If you have a stock and bond allocation, maybe 2.8% is a better estimation. Um, You can do a Google search on this, by the way. Do 4% withdrawal rate. Just Google it in your browser, and you'll see a lot of information saying that it doesn't work any longer. It's too high. And so uh, my point to that, though, is if your chassis isn't the stock market, if you're investing in something other than the stock market, let's say rental properties in Sacramento, I think you could use a, a higher number, so that would help retirement, right? I mean, if you could have a higher income, if you could expect to have six or seven percent coming off your investment portfolio, that will certainly help you retire a bit sooner than two point eight percent. So, you know, you got to be you got to be really um, aware of the changing, the ever changing economic environment and the financial markets and what's happening on a day to day basis. And uh, that's why we encourage you to sit down with somebody. Uh, We'd be happy to sit down with you and talk about these ins and outs. Uh, I've got this special report I'll give you if you don't want to sit down with us. You can call us at 800-682-2806. It's called Retirement Roundtable, Strategic Answers to the Top 10 Questions Regarding Retirement Planning. So if you want that, I'll give it to you, regardless of whether or not you want to visit with us and get a second opinion on what you're doing. Uh, I didn't get to two or three of the questions in there, but you'll have them all in the report that we send you if you phone 800-682-2806. But let me just say, retirement is complex. There's a lot of variables. And your individual situation, um, you know, it's going to trump, you know, generalities that I've, that I've uh, expressed today. So it's important to sit down with somebody that knows your individual situation. And um, we'd love to do that if you're interested. 800 682 2806. All right. See you next week. Have a great week. Different types of investing involve varying degrees of risk,
0: including market fluctuation, possible loss of principal value, or liquidity. There can be no assurance that any investment strategy will be profitable. The radio show is now over.
2: Here is what I suggest you do. If you found the information discussed today to be reasonable, logical, and informative, then you should call Davis Financial Advisors to sit down and let them give you a second opinion on your retirement planning thus far. The radio show can't get too specific with advice because everyone's situation is different. There is no one box or strategy that fits everyone. If you call now, you will be offered a free no-obligation second opinion with one of our advisors. Retirement is too important to approach with haste. Be deliberate. Be prudent. Do your due diligence and learn what you need to know so you don't go into this blind. At Davis Financial Advisors, there's thinking outside the box different and uncommon. Get your second opinion. Call now 1-800-682-2806.
0: Again, 1-800-682-2806.